Hey guys, JJ here. The Minnesota Rundown is sponsored by the Better Edge app. Better Edge is a legal online social betting marketplace that you can use real money to wager that allows you to post and engage with other sports betting fans, place no commission positions in an online marketplace, compete in direct head-to-head challenges, compete in public or private betting competitions, and buy or sell positions, whether that be spread, over-under, money line at current market prices. Use promo code 10K at betteredge.com to get a free $5 when you sign up and verify your ID. Once again, that's 10K at B-E-T-T-O-R-E-D-G-E.com to get a free $5. Are you guys looking for some kick-ass local clothing? Well, let us tell you about our friends at Soda Stick. Go to their website at sodastick.com, and hell, if you find something you like, there's no way you won't. Just enter the code 10KTAKES at checkout to get free shipping anywhere in the U.S. You'll certainly catch us wearing their top-notch apparel. Once again, it's sodastick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, and use the promo code 10KTAKES. That's 10KTAKES to get free shipping anywhere in the U.S. This is the Minnesota Rundown, presented by 10,000 Takes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Minnesota Rundown, presented by 10,000 Takes. I'm, of course, your host, JJ Journalist Jake. That's a nickname people call me because I'm apparently the greatest damn journalist to ever do it, until I'm not. Um, But... Uh, of course, on this show, if you don't know, we kind of talk. We get on everything Minnesota sports, um, beyond, a little bit beyond in a comedic, comedic and filtered, unique way. At least we try to. You know, we just try to be laid back and cool. And I, but going back to me being quote unquote the greatest journalist, I might have learned some learned some of those journalistic journalistic elements and some of the great parts of being a journalist from my guest I have on, Michael Rand. Rand, also known as Ramball, he has his own column at Star Tribune. Uh, he's also the uh, daily delivery podcast host and he was my uh, former teacher at the university of minnesota uh, for one of my, my sports writing class how are you doing i'm good it's good to see you again it had been uh the years kind of blend together i've taught that class five times now so i'm trying to yeah. you know it, it was a few years ago at least that you were in it but uh, always always enjoy seeing former students and uh um Love to love to hop on other podcasts. I'm, you know, I'm always afraid people lack access to my opinions, so I'm always wanting to present them in even more places. Well, we 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 enjoy your opinion. We we, I mean, obviously you're doing something right on the Twitter sphere, over 20k followers, so people appreciate. It, unless it's a bunch of haters that just want to shit on your opinion every time it comes out. I don't think so. I I've, I've got a, the the followers I have tend to be pretty good, although some of them like to catch me when I'm wrong. So you know, it's you know, old takes exposed. Sometimes it's fine. Yeah, they, they like they like to catch you in the act for some reason that like that just like completes their life. Like, yeah. I, oh, you said this a year ago. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's like, well, yeah. And that, it was the one like about a year ago where it was like someone found an old tweet where I'd like said Andrew Wiggins is going to be better than Clay Thompson, I think, because it was a whole like wolves were, you know, when the wolves were trying to make a trade with Kevin Love and it was like. You know, who are they going to get? And they end up getting Wiggins was the centerpiece. But for a while, they were trying to get Clay Thompson. And I got a little too enthusiastic about the early trajectory of Andrew Wiggins' career. Right. Some would but, say. But they don't understand that journalists are human, too. You know, Where you can you? make you, it's just it's just a take, though. People are like they, they hold it. They hold it against you. Like it's, it's a take. Like part it's, of your life. 
you just send it out and uh, you see what happens. Well, that's what we do. We're 10,000 takes. We, we are here for the takes. That's all we're about. Either they're, whether it's cold or hot or whatever, the stupid, funny, that's what we all want to, that's what we want to talk about. So, and like I mentioned too, the last time we were talking before the podcast, the last episode that people may have listened to was with Bubba and he's our funny yet terrifying big guy that is a part of our, our group and he has a hernia and he does not want to get removed. And he broke some shit in the studio. We're not in the studio tonight, but, uh, uh, you know, Mike, Mike, if you want to get terrorize your own basement, um, go for it and go crazy. You know, it probably wouldn't look much worse, although we did some organizing recently. So I'm, I'm going to say no at the moment, but I reserve the right to, uh, to, to, to rip some stuff up. If I decide, uh, that if I you don't get like where this is, if I don't like where this is going, I'm just going to start yeah. doing it. So if, if I, if I spit out a thing you disagree with, be like, that's not true, man. Did you start busting shit yeah. around that's essentially what bubba got pissed about it was a case keenum Kirk cousins argument and he decided Ooh. to uh instead of talk about it through a debate uh like civil people he decided to just try to say i was wrong through breaking stuff in our studio so whatever sometimes it's good entertainment when i was there if you're there it's terrifying but it's it's still a good time i think we're gonna be a little calmer though we're gonna be a little more civil but probably we'll, we'll see what happens we'll see what happens but uh well the first thing i wanted to uh, uh talk about um that's been making big news in Minnesota right now is obviously the wild they bought out Parisian Suter and yes. now they want to get uh, you know, they want to bring back some big players they want for the future, obviously Kevin Fiala and then Kirill Kaprizov. I mean, he's like our best player we've probably have had in wild history and probably Minnesota yeah. hockey history. And they just, they just uh, offered them qualifying offers. And I know that Kaprizov turned down a term deal. I think it was like eight years. I mean, what, it's kind of scary. People are like talking about like, Oh wait, maybe we won't get either of them or maybe not get Kaprizov after like how crappy, like what are the chances that we don't even get either of them or don't get Kaprizov? Is that like realistic or do you think we're going to still get them really man? I think the wild will get both of them. I think the, I think we're kind of at the part of negotiations where each of those guys wants leverage. I mean, and Fiala is a tougher case because for, for, I mean, Fiala trying to get leverage, he's a restricted free agent. There's only so much he can do, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. he, the wild basically has control over that. And Kaprizov's contract is really weird because like, basically he doesn't have enough service time to be uh, a restricted free agent, but his, you know, because of the burn year on the contract and how that worked with the, you know, with the, with the pandemic season, there's something basically where like he basically, the only kind of the only team that he he can negotiate with is the Wild, but he's not a restricted free agent. So the only way he can create any leverage is to say, "Well, I could go back and play in Moscow." And yeah, he could do that. And um, yeah, they could give him money, but is that the prestige you want at this stage of your career? I mean, he's already you know he's not the youngest rookie. We remember that. What was he twenty four last year? He he's yeah. only you know he he's he's only got you know. <laughs> He's 24, which is still relatively young, but you don't want to start burning years in the NHL just because you're mad about contract terms. So I think where we're at right now is a a negotiation where the Wild would love to get him for eight years, but Kaprizov, you know, because he is a little bit on that older side, Mm -hmm. wants to sign probably more of a more of a bridge deal, like a three or four year thing, so that he can hit free agency kind of in his prime uh, next time around and really cash in. So my guess is we'll probably see some kind of compromise contract at some point here. You know, this, each side will budge a little bit. Maybe he'll get a five-year, and maybe the term will be, you know, somewhere in the eight and a half, nine million dollar range. 
Um, so it's livable for both sides. He's, he still hits free agency with the ability to really cash in on one more huge contract that the wild gets some security that they've got him for five years. That would be my guess. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to go like forever, but they've got time on this. So I'm, I'm not too worried about either one of those, but I understand the concern. Cause like without Kaprizov in particular, this is a totally different team. Like Fiala is mm-hmm. a good player. I don't think he's irreplaceable. I thought he was good last season, but you know, if something happened there where you know, you were kind of backed into a corner and you you had ended up having to trade his rights, something like that, I don't think you're, I don't think that's the end of the world. But you've got to make sure you figure out Kaprizov, and I'm sure they will. They're, they're going to have to bend to his whims a little bit, but uh, hopefully they can come to some sort of compromise. Yeah, it would suck if we have this. We had, like I mentioned, just a stud player that was just amazing to watch, best player the Wild have ever had. You know. Yeah. I, what, one of the best that NHL will ever see. And he'd just be here for what was a shortened season. And that's it. That would just, that would suck. It would, it would be terrible. I don't, I don't want to see that. I don't think wild fans do either. So it's like the, the, the risk reward here is such, there's such a big gap. It's like, well, sign him, just get him, get it done. Like wild fans are antsy because of how much he means. Um, and yeah, if for some reason, but you know, here's the thing, like he's, I don't think he's going to go to Moscow. Like, why would he do that? No. He just got out of go there. back to Russia. He's not going to go back to Russia. So I think all this is, is whatever, whatever leverage he can grab. And I think the wild will probably figure that out. Garen's not Bill Garen's not dumb. You know, he's got a plan. So we'll, we'll see what they end up doing, but yeah, I mean, it, it, Kaprizov is, it would be very Minnesota for this to blow yeah, up in no. their faces. Wouldn't it? It would be like the, like, yeah. you know, it's like, the good thing that you have going, then all of a sudden it's just, you know, no, you can't have nice things. We saw a little sample of what he's going to do with another team. And then after one year, it, it'd be so Minnesota like. Yeah, it would. And I feel like we're in the same boat as we were last year. I remember people were antsy to wait for him to sign to play for this upcoming year back when he was coming off of where he could sign his first year. Now we're here back at it again. I think, yeah, I think it's just a matter of they're just trying to find the right deal because I think. Yeah, he's, people keep forgetting he's 24, and people are, like, shocked. I talked to people that were shocked that he turned down an eight-year deal. It's like he's not – he's 24, and they want to know, like, I think the – like, he wants to be with the Wild, and he wants to set a principle that I want to be here, but I also want you to build a good team around me. Like, so if he's down around here for eight years and he's stuck to a contract, we could just be a crappy team in four years and he's still stuck when he's in his prime and he would want to go somewhere else. I don't blame him. It's like, it gives us kind of a, uh, you, you know, kind of ultimatum there where, okay, well, if we send him to three or four years, like we need to, it does kind of put Garen in a high gear to like, we need to form a great team in the next few years while he's in his prime and get it going or else he's going to leave. So, and I don't blame him for wanting to not stay here for eight years. Cause he could just be, around a, a crappy team, you know? Yeah. So. Well, and I think the other piece of it too, you know, the, the one thing is, right. Like I said, he, you know, if you sign an eight year deal, you're 32 by the time you hit free agency again, yeah. you don't want to be, that's not the position you want to be in. Cause all of a sudden, you know, everybody knows, you know, how, how regression works, how, you know, he's probably not going to get another really long-term expensive contract. And the other piece of it is it's tricky for the wild right now because Basically, his big contract is going to be on the books for a lot of the same years that they're buying out Parisi and Suter. So they're going to have a lot of money tied up in Parisi, Suter, and whatever the Kaprizov and Fiala extensions are. They're going to really need to be doing a good job with the rest of their roster. Some of their, you know, their, it has never been more important for them to, to draft and develop as it is right now. 
Yeah, it's going to haunt them for years, uh, the Fiala. Well, I mean, it'll eventually end the the whatever we have to give back, you know, for the, the cap hit or the penalty or whatever. But that's just going to haunt them for like, for what, four or five years at least? Yeah, this year it doesn't hurt much, yeah. but it's the it's the three years after that where it's cap hits combined of like 12, yeah. 14, and Jeez. 14 million. It's like, it's, it's so much. And it's like, I get why they had to do it. It's like, those guys are going to count a certain amount on the cap anyway. And if Parisi didn't have a role, and if you think Suter's going to get worse, and you just were like, this is the time we can get the savings. This is the time we can get them off our books. Do it. Um, but it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt in, two th- in, in the next three years after this, no doubt about it. Right. That's, th- that's what's going to like, you know, I know that the all or excuse me, like Kaprizov won't sign unless it's three or four years, but that's going to suck at that end of that. If we wanted to resign him after that, like with that cap hit, that's going to be tough. The water going to be, that's why I think they got to do something now, like within the next few years. Cause I mean, they might be yeah. reeling and in pain in, in three or four years and they'll lose all these players. And like Minnesota teams do, they waste talent. You know, it, it's just, it's just how it is. But I think uh, another so they're trying to obviously bring in another another center for next year. And I know I, I saw recently, too, that they're really pushing for – I mean, it's been a rumor that they're going to go up and try to get Jack Eichel, but now it's kind of, like, legit that they're actually trying to push for him. They're one of, like, four, four or five teams that are going to push for him. But, I mean, is is – is that is that a is that a realistic get or is – I mean, it probably is realistic, but, I mean, is he – I mean, I've asked other people, but I mean, is he a good fit for this, for the wild team and, and helping them rebuild and, and grow compared to their prospects they have? He'd be a, it's a big swing. I mean, it's a, you know, we are talking about, and we'll talk about, I'm sure we'll talk about Byron Buxton at some point here too. Yeah. But when you talk about guys who have the, the hardest guys to read are the guys that have the high ceiling and the low floor. It's like, there's such a variance, you know, and that was, that was the, 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 but the comforting thing about Suter and Parisi when you signed them, nine years ago is you kind of knew what you were getting, right? It was, it wasn't going to be necessarily spectacular, but those guys pretty much delivered what they were supposed to do. They just didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have the supporting cast all the time to go beyond the second, you know, second round of the playoffs. You trade for Jack Eichel. He's expensive. He's got this, I think it's a neck injury. If I'm not mistaken, he's got a neck problem. Like that's, that's not great. Um, but you, you really need to upgrade center. You upgrade your center spot. Like you cannot, you know, if Victor Rask is, yeah. Kaprizov oh. center again next year. I, it, my head's going to explode. It, you can't, you just can't do that again. And Eric Sinek has taken the, certainly taken a step forward, but you don't put him on that line. He's, he's no. been so good with the Greenway and Felino line. You don't want to mess with that. So you need a, and he's not a true number one. He's more of a number two. So you want a real number one, like, you know, just top of the line center. And so you got to decide, is that something that's going to happen from within? Can you wait another year? Can you, you know, kind of, see through another year of Kaprizov's development um, and think that you have someone like that in house already, or do you go make a big splash move? And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, I, they'd have to yeah. be pretty sure about the medicals. They'd have to be pretty sure about how that all fits. Cause again, Eichel's expensive. Like the, the cap is yeah. not infinite. The cap's a hard cap. It's not like a, this mythical thing, like it is in the NBA and the NFL. Like it's real. You, you'd only have, yeah. so only, you only have a certain amount of money and you got to spend it uh, wisely. Yeah, it's so prevalent in the NHL. And like, is Eichel even that worth it? Is he worth going into that cap space? It's like they 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 talk about him like he's this home run guy. That's oh yeah, we're gonna be a cup contenders right away next year if we get him. And that's the answer. If I think you should be asking like, well, what do is he worth it? And would he make us a cup contender right away next year? Probably not. I, I mean, he's 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 a good player, but he's very injury prone. I heard he's been hot headed. He has had attitude issues. 
but he's a good player. But like, is he really that guy that can really propel us? And he wouldn't really give us a lot of leeway and room with, with salary cap to get other guys. Like they still need to fill up the defense. You know, I mean, you got Suter gone, Carson Soucy, which is, I mean, I'd rather have him taken away than like a, a cap and a, a Kakinen, which who might get dealt in a trade for Eichel. I mean, but he's a great depth defenseman. And now like, I'd rather, I'd rather have just Seattle had taken Victor Rask. I think that would have been a little <laughs> easier. That would have been a big favor. Although again, when you get into that territory, then you're talking about doing favors and that's how you end up losing, yeah. you know, Alex Tuck at a certain yep. point. So, yep. That, that, so the Carson Susan thing's fine. We didn't get screwed over like we did in the Vegas draft, I thought. But, like, that still haunts me, seeing Alex Tuck do so well with Vegas, and we are lacking what he was going to be for us. We drafted him for that reason, yeah. and now he's just in a Vegas sweater lighting it up for an inaugural team. And I've seen, like, I remember I've looked at, I recently, for whatever reason, I saw when Alex Tuck, because I mean, he yeah, played here a year or whatever, and he was in yeah. those – uh, I think he participated in the 2017 playoffs in that spring and seeing him, seeing a picture of him in a wild uniform was just like PTSD. Like, yeah. oh, it's just, it's annoying, but I'd yeah. rather have just, uh, yeah, if we would, if we would have had to give a Victor Rask, we would have ended up making a deal that would have screwed us over for the next, right. put us back for another five years. So you make a good point though. Like is, is frontline center really where they need to spend their money right now? Do they have, I mean, they have three defensemen on the roster, like you said, and I'm sure they're probably going to take a long look at Kalen Addison, who played a little bit last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the – he came over in the Zucker trade, right? So that was one of the pieces yeah. they got yep. for Zucker. Yeah, he's um, and there's, I'm yep. sure there's, you know, stop gaps they can sign. They've always seemed to find, you know, they're not looking for frontline guys because they've got – you know, the three they do have are very good, Spurgeon, Brodeen, and Dumba. But, you know, if you're talking about, you know – third pair guys it's not going to be that yeah. expensive but still you got to have some depth you, you used to have you know you used to be pretty set in your top four so that was you know another mm-hmm. piece of the the suitor you know it's like okay well who's who's your who's your second you know who's your second of the top pair d now right I and mean, you don't have that right even with susie and suitor they still struggled like when brodeen went out in that game seven against vegas this year you really saw the defense all the holes to the defense just breaking down or, or like all the the wall the defense just breaking down and it was just bad. So now they're in a situation where they, they it just sucks as the wild are in a dilemma here because they're in a little bit of a pickle or a little bit of a bind because they have some great some great talent they can get on it can pre Fiala, but they need to obviously build around these guys to propel them to the next level. But you're in a position now where to go out and be in a kind of a win now mentality where Kaprizov I think wants to do, that's why you're going to shine him to a shorter contract. You might have to give up some of these prospects that would probably be stars in three, four years. So either you can wait on them and, and Kaprizov will maybe get a little upset if he's still on these, a developing team, but you can maybe deal them to try to get some players and take the risk to win now. But it's like, they could be a team where they could be a, you know, if they just waited on their prospects with Rossi and Kalen Addison, Matt Boldy, they could be a, a huge threat to kind of what Colorado is now. Hopefully yeah. not like choking in the playoffs, but, <laughs> right. you know, you know what I mean? That, yeah, I do. That's, and that's probably what they should do. I mean, they, I don't think this is a team that needs to take a shortcut. I and mean, let's be honest, like this was a surprisingly good year, um, but it's going to be hard for them to duplicate even that level of success next year. I think a lot of things broke right for them this year. I think the goaltending was way better than we thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah. And 
I, you know, that can change from year to year. I think Cam Talbot had a really good year. Capo Kakinen, let's not forget, he won like, he won like eight games in a row at one yeah. point when Talbot was out. Um, you can't just expect the same results. Um, and, you know, even in a season that was, you know, good, but not great, you know, you finished, you know, you got to the seventh game of the first round of the playoffs, but you're not going to be playing all these lousy teams in that division that they created this year again next year. I mean, there was some good, obviously Vegas and Colorado were very good, but the bottom of that division was terrible. Yeah. They feasted on those teams. So you kind of back, back to your old division next year, back to 82 games. It's a completely different year. So I don't think they should yeah. get fooled too much by the success they had last year. They still got to stay with what they, what they were planning on doing. Yeah. They don't want to get fooled in their ways of, of trying to, Oh, we got to win now. So let's go get these players. They did that so much in like the 2010s with Chuck oh, Fletcher. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think Bill Guerin's like that, no. but he seems to be a little more patient, but you don't want to fall back into those Minnesota ways. It's very easy to just, Oh yeah, let's just go get these guys. We have these guys. And then you just waste a year and it's done. So absolutely, it's, 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 it's bad. But speaking of other player issues, I want to talk on, we want to hit on Byron Buxton and the twins. Yeah. I, I, it, it, it sucks, but we're hearing the news that, that the twins want to deal him and they're obviously in sell mode because they're, they're doing terrible and they got rid of Nelson Cruz, which sucks, but it makes sense because he's going to go down to a team that can actually compete and he can contribute. But I mean, what would be, is there any benefit in, in dealing Buxton? I mean, I feel like, I mean, I, it's going to turn into like, he's another player that we can really try to build around. We've got rid of Aaron Hicks. He did great in New York Yankees. I mean, have Minnesota team, and we talked about this kind of with the Wild, but have we like learned or yet lesson yet? I feel like if we get rid of him, I know he's been injury prone, he's going to be a stud and win a World Series somewhere, and we just kind of giving up. Even though he's been in the system a while, I feel like we're still kind of giving up if we deal him. I mean, what would be a benefit of actually getting rid of him? Yeah, I mean, he's tricky. I don't think they're going to trade him at the deadline. I think you know, position players don't usually get traded at the trade deadline. It would be a strange one, especially since he's been hurt. You know, can't even, you know, any team that got him would be getting a guy who can't help right away anyway. Um, but I, I feel like he's he's interesting in that, again, we, like we talked about with Jack Eichel, he's this, you know, the ceiling is Byron Buxton stays healthy for 150 games yeah. and he plays mm-hmm. at an MVP level possibly like he was yeah. at the start of this season. The floor is he's hurt so much yeah. that he's only on the field for a quarter to a third of your games. And when he's on the field, he's an absolute difference maker. But when he's not, you absolutely feel what you're missing. That said, I think you got to resign him. I think the, the offers they've made him have been low based on what we know. Um, I feel like he's worth it. And this is, this is the kind of guy you need to hit on as, as, a, as a team like the twins, a mid market team. Um, you might even, you're kind of getting a little bit of a, a discount probably still just because he has been hurt so much. You're, you're, you're still going to maximize a lot of value on his potential of, you know, what could happen if he stays healthy and you sign him to a six or seven year deal. And even if he's only a part-time player, he's still going to deliver a lot of value on that contract. So I think you got to, you got to make a real offer to him this off season. You know, he came out and said he still wants to be here. Um, you know, if, if it gets to the point where the negotiations are just going nowhere, I feel like the time to trade him is this off season and not in the next three, four days. Yeah. I just, I heard about that and I think that would be just an overreaction if they got rid of him. Uh, like, well, he's been with the team. He's this, we need to like really sell. And I think they should, they need to make some sort of moves, but he's a guy you can still build around. You already got rid of Rosario, which, you know, there's benefit, there's reasons for that. I get that. But 
you still have the pieces there. I think with the twins, you got Donaldson, who's just electric. I, I mean, bringer of rain. I, I, who I have a, tra- who might get traded too. I know. Like what the hell? Like these are assets. It's such a Minnesota thing. You waste talent. And Jose Brios, I know he's asking for a lot. He's he's one of the best pitchers I've seen with the twins have had in the last five. You know, since he's been here, he's been one of our best pitchers, and he's got so much more potential. They're just, I feel like they're doing things since like for 10 over 10 years, they just have not done the right things to build around some solid players. And I feel like they're just getting rid of it. They're going to try to start over again. It's just going to be a mess. You can build off these players like Buxton or Barrios and Donaldson. We're wasting and He's one of, we actually made, we actually dug in our pockets, went out for a guy like Donaldson and we're wasting him. I mean, he's electric. I mean, I know he's, He's still got that personality where people go out there still have fun watching him. But I mean, it'd be awesome to see him on a successful winning team that's making a run for the postseason. Beyond that, can actually win a damn game in the postseason. That'd be nice. I, I'm I'm more sold on Buxton. It's weird. Like I value yeah. pitching a lot. Yeah. What the 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 contract that Jose Barrios could possibly possibly command on the open market makes me think that trading him may be a better idea than trying to re-sign him. I know it leaves them really thin at pitcher, mm-hmm. but it, it, you might be at this point where you're able to maximize value on a trade more than you are able to maximize value on a re-sign. Uh, it's a hard thing to to kind of finesse, but if if he's the best starting pitcher out there potentially for a trade and he's extra attractive because he's under team control for one more year after this, I mean, and if you if you've that's that's the point where you've got to make a hard decision internally and say, if we even if we keep most of this team intact, are we really going to compete in 2022, or mm-hmm. are we better off kind of hitting reboot and getting some getting some you know close to ready guys right now that could maybe help in 2023 and beyond, you know, when they really get some after they actually get some seasoning things like that. So. I think if the Twins are being honest, they're not ready to compete next year. Even this this yeah. year showed us there's a lot of gaps in this team. I know they've been kind of close sometimes. I know that you could trick yourself into thinking, you know, two bullpen upgrades and one more starting pitcher, yeah. and maybe this is right back, you know, right back in the swing of things. And it's it's possible, but you got to have a lot of things go right. I think the, the likelihood of more things going wrong next year is greater than the likelihood of more things going right. Oh yeah, people were brutal. I mean, I was I was a little surprised how they started. I thought they're going to maybe carry a little momentum from last year with, with Donaldson and, you know, maybe make the playoffs and lose, get swept, but at least make the playoffs. So I think it's, it's, and I was kind of on the boat a couple of years ago. Of, oh, it's just the relief pitching and the relief pitching is garbage, but I was on that boat. Of, oh, we just need to, we just need to refine our pitching almost, you know, do a lot to it, but that's it. But now even a couple more months in, it's like, no, there's so many issues with, with the team and, and some of the, even the way the hitting is and Max Kepler has been a little down and it's just, it's been, it's been frustrating to watch, but they, I feel like this team has not had a solid like relief pitching core in probably over 10 years. It's just, I feel like that's one thing they don't address though in the off season enough. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, yeah. that's the thing that makes it hard to think about not having Barrios. Cause like, if you don't have Barrios, man, I mean, the the one like really shrewd thing they've done is is Kenta Maeda. I know he's he's been down yeah. a little bit this year. He's been better lately. I think he's pitching as we're, as we're recording actually. But uh, mm-hmm. you know that was a good trade. The Bruce Dahl trade that was a really good trade because he's a guy mm-hmm. that brings value and you know he's a good pitcher. But you know some of these guys they've tried like Jay Happ, uh, you know, and not great. Mm-hmm. Matt Shoemaker, like you know, it's it's 
not it's not just a matter of you know having some kind of secret sauce magic formula where you can pick these guys and say yeah we know some things these other teams don't like it's just you know it's harder than it looks and the the pitching is you know is is so valuable and if you don't get it right if you don't pay for it if you don't develop it you're going to struggle like they are this year yeah one one last thing i'll say on that the twins before moving on i just remember that first game game one against milwaukee even though we ended up winning saturday and sunday that weekend uh first game opener thursday night when the twins uh blew a lead in the in the bottom of the ninth i'm like ah I just got a bad feeling about the rest of the season. I, and I was, I was telling people this and they're like, it's one game. I'm like, yeah, but that just, that irked me the wrong way, the way they blew that. And sure enough, look, look where we're at. Well, think about all that happened at this, you know, in the first month of the season, even you had that, you had that blown game and yeah, they started five and two after that, which was like, okay, maybe yeah. that didn't matter as much, but then weird mm-hmm. things started happening. You know, they had mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the COVID issue where they had you know yeah. some games postponed. they, when they came back from that, they couldn't hit. And then they had that game in Oakland where it looked like Buxton oh. had won the game with the home run in the in the top of the 10th. And then they just can't make two routine plays and they throw yeah. that game away. Um, you know, you've got uh, obviously the tragedy of Mike Bell passing away right as the season mm-hmm. was going to start, you know, impacting them both emotionally and, you know, depriving Rocco Baldelli of a bench coach that he probably needs. Like that's something that, mm-hmm shouldn't be overlooked this year. Like some of the, some of the strategic stuff, some of the, you know, the, the in-game stuff that he's maybe not as great at that was, you know, that's something that a mm-hmm. bench coach handles. So, you know, there were so many little things that were happening. You had the injuries, you know, kind of mounting, you had the bullpen just squandering yeah. leads and that just all of a sudden you're 14 and 28 and you, you can't get out of that hole. I mean, they've basically been a 500 team since then, which isn't great, but right. You can't climb out. That's that's like yeah. so hard to climb out from that, especially when you feel like everything's going against you. Yeah, that early in the season, just you can't do that in in baseball. But yeah, it kind of came out of left field, no pun intended, uh, with the well, pun intended, very much so with the Twins though when they kind of started the way they did. But very pessimistic about them. Well, speaking of something that maybe is a little more optimistic, the hopefully, unless it's false hope, the Vikings. Oh, we have false hope all the time with Always. them. Uh, always, yeah, you have to as the remain a fan. But their training camp is starting off. The Vikings training camp all around football. It's you can smell it. Football is almost almost back. It's uh, season's almost back, and um, the Vikings have definitely made a lot of moves in the off season. You know, solidifying their their receiving core recently with D.D. Westbrook. Uh, you know, from Jacksonville, and they've built up their defense and guys are coming back from that were playing last year. Um, I, I guess uh, I I mean. Do you think that this team is this team is finalized heading into the season? Do you see any moves they're going to make in the last month of the offseason here? Yeah, I think Westbrook was a good was a good kind of low leverage signing just the other day. They you know, that third wide receiver spot was starting to make me wonder, you know, but he's kind of a perfect fit as long as he's healthy, but he had the ACL last October and those are things that, you know, you recover from more quickly these days, but is he going to be ready to go like right away? Or does he need a little bit extra time? Things like that. But if he's healthy, he's definitely a, you know, a guy who caught, I think 60 plus passes, you know, in 2018 and 2019, um, a lot of them, you know, short depth, of target kind of the perfect, you know, third down, or even, you know, first down, get seven, eight yards in those sets and just make, make life easier for Kirk cousins, which I think is a good thing. Um, I think this thing they still need to do though, is they got to, I, I would feel a lot better if they found one more guy on the offensive line that kind of yeah. took some of the pressure off of 
whether it's taking the pressure off of Derisaw, whether it's taking the pressure off of, you know, one of the young interior linemen, uh, you know, right away to, to, so that Derisaw doesn't necessarily have to be the guy week one or mm-hmm. Wyatt Davis doesn't necessarily have to be the guy week one. Like if they could find like a, like a swing guard tackle kind of mm-hmm. veteran. I don't know if it's cut down day. I don't know if it's a guy that's sitting out there still right now. Another veteran, kind of like what they, you know, when they when they stacked up all these, you know, one year contracts for the corners. And it sounds like Zimmer likes his corners right now, which should tell you something mm-hmm. about how he feels about the defense. But it, they haven't paid the same amount of attention to upgrading, at least with older players, that offensive line. And I feel like that's going to be something that could be a deficiency, kind of like the secondary was last season when they over relied on young players. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of the story of the Vikings, where yes, they do. They do get good because Zimmer overly focuses on the defense, and they get good, and they do just enough to for us to scrape into the playoffs. But the O line is just garbage. And I know you can say, I know people are, you can say what you want about Kirk, but when you, like, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, when they had it, they still made the playoffs. That that O line was just atrocious to watch. And last year they were bad, but they got better throughout the season. But I, at the beginning of the year last year was bad. And then I think it, I don't, I, I look back on that season two years ago is really, really he- heavily relied on getting to the playoffs, at least heavily relied on the defense and just, I don't know. The Vikings are just going to ask for another first round exit coming up. Or I, I just hope that I know they, I know they tweaked the old line a little bit and I'm hoping that it, it, it is different and they, but if they can kind of marry that defense and offense, which is what every coach wants to do, but the way that de- if they could get the offense could just be just as elite as this Vikings defense, they could be a Super Bowl contender. I mean, yeah. And the weird thing was last year, the flip, the, the script kind of flipped because the defense was awful. And then the yeah. offense was pretty good. Um, the special teams were just hideous last year. We shouldn't yeah. ignore oh. that. And the kicking game mm. uh, is another thing that probably needs to be addressed still because they haven't, they haven't figured that piece of the puzzle out necessarily yet yeah. either, but yeah, I think the the bad balance is something they've been trying to achieve for a really long time. I think they got closest to it in the in the last two years they've made the playoffs, 2017 mm-hmm. and 2019. You know, 2017 mm-hmm. when they had Case Keenum and you know they yeah. kind of knew what their identity was on offense. And then the, you know, the best year under Kirk Cousins when they didn't have to have him do too much um, mm-hmm. because the defense was so good and because Dalvin Cook was so good. Like that's, that's kind of the formula, but it's kind of a formula that relies on a lot of things going right for you. And it's, you know, it's this bad combination of a quarterback on offense who, you know, needs a lot of things to go right on a certain play, uh, can't necessarily help his offensive line out all that much by extending plays. And then an offensive line that's been below average, let's face it. Yeah. I mean, just because, I mean, you can say what you want a a lot about Kirk, you know, and not being a mobile scrambler, but there is so many games where you see him go back to pass and he already has a guy in his face getting knocked yeah. down. I'm like, that's just not good for a quarterback psyche at all. No, it's just, it, it's just, it's brutal. And people are like, Oh, well he needs to throw the ball. I'm like, well, I mean, it's a second that he has to throw the football. And quite frankly, I saw, I thought in like even two years ago when, when Kirk had a decent year and we made the playoffs and everything was okay. And, you know, he seemed like he had issues with typical Kirk issues where he, you know, you'd fumble the ball if he got sacked or, um, you know, you try, he try, he wouldn't scramble when he should have, you'd throw a dumb pass, you know, but last year I saw a little bit of scramble and I saw him actually protect the ball a little bit. And he made some ballsy decisions when his O-line a couple of times, not all the time, but I saw him make yeah. some ballsy decisions when the O-line 
uh, you know, a play broke down. So yeah, I think I think he's he's been far from the biggest problem on this team. You know, in, in the three years he's been here, it's it's, it's always going to be this question of you know, what he gives you versus how much he costs. I mean, his cap number is $45 million next season. Like something's mm-hmm. got to give with that. Like you can't have a quarterback counting that much on your cap. Um, so you're heading, you know, heading into this season where it, it's going to be this, like what's going to happen. Is he going to be good enough that they want to extend him again? Is it going to be the Kellen Mond show in a year or two? I don't mm-hmm. really know, but it does feel like it, this is the time we need to figure out once and for all, is this the franchise quarterback or is this just a guy who's kept the seat warm for three or four years? Right. Now this could get you, this, this will get you hate either way, but are, are, are you, you consider yourself a Kirk hater or a Kirk, a Kirk guy or somewhere in the middle? Uh, probably somewhere in the middle, just because that's where he is. He's, he's right. somewhere in the middle. He's you, know, you get good Kirk. He got bad Kirk. I think what it comes down to is I still don't trust him. And so yeah. maybe in that stand from that standpoint, I'm not a Kirk guy. I just say yeah. I, I, when they signed him, it was like, okay, this is the best quarterback on the market. I'm glad they're not just saying mm-hmm. roll again with case Keenum, because I don't mm-hmm. think that would have been the right idea. Um, yeah. As much as I liked case Keenum, as much as he played great in 2017, like that was a year where everything went right. So, you know, they were aggressive and they were like, Nope, being the same team isn't isn't going to be good enough. Let's go get the guy who's you know the the most attractive quarterback on this open market. They kind of you know they had to pay him a lot of money, guaranteed. Um, you know, but he's the same things that were wrong with him when they signed him are still the things that are wrong mm-hmm. with him. He's just not a guy that necessarily elevates you. He's a guy that on a very good team can take you a while, can take you a, a pretty good a pretty good ways and maybe even to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But he's not a guy that's just going to get you there by himself. He's not an Aaron Rodgers. He's not right. Tom Brady. He's not a, no. you know, he's not a Drew Brees. He's, he's Kirk Cousins. He's the 11th best quarterback most years. Yeah. And that's, you know, above average, but you know, in a, in a, in a negative way sometimes. Yeah. The people say like he's a 11th or 10th best quarterback and people argue, Oh no, he's, that's good enough to bring you to a Super Bowl. You just got to obviously build around him because He's a very, I mean, when he, yeah, like when he's on fire and he gets that play action going and man, that guy, I mean, he can thread the needle on some throws yeah. and it's, it's, it's incredible on some of the throws he makes, honestly, like, and like, I'm like, oh, are you throwing that? I'm like, oh my gosh, it got through like two defenders hands in the back of the end zone to Adam Thielen. I'm like, okay, wow. But I just think the, the, the deal of, I'm, I, I am glad they didn't go with Case Keenum next year because I think that would have been very Minnesota-like for a team to be high in this quarterback. Oh, it's destiny. It's story. He's a He was a two-star guy out of Texas. And, you know, we almost made the Super Bowl, and it was great. But then I think a Vikings of the team of the past would have like, oh, let's stick with them. And then we would have went 7-9. and nine. And then people had been bitching at the Vikings ownership. Oh, we should have went out and got Kirk Cousins. So I think it was a little different approach what they did, but – it's risky no matter what they what they did. I just way Case Keenum has gone down. I think you would have just win it like a you know a seven and nine year you know which is what we did that first year quite frankly. But it wouldn't have been. I think people would have been expecting another thirteen and three year, and it right. wouldn't have wouldn't have happened. So yeah. But um, it is what it is. But speaking of uh, kind of the wrap that wrap the show up, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers has been the you know the news of the <laughs> offseason on where the hell he was going to go if he's going to retire. Well. It's, I mean, he was back at training camp today. So, I mean, the reports are more than likely true that he's going to be finalizing that one year contract. If he can, if he can, you know, go leave after 2022 or leave after the season, 
but I mean, why, why do you think Rogers was like so hesitant to, to come back to the Packers and took this long break and just pulled people through this dread? I mean, not me, but like, I guess yeah. general football fans or Packers fans, right. why do you think he was just so hesitant? I mean, I think it's a lot of things. I mean, he's, he's, you know, I had on, on daily delivery, like a three, four weeks ago, I had Tyler Dunn on the show who, you know, covered the Packers for quite a while. He does his own thing now. Um, great conversation with him. And it was just like, you know, he, he's never seen an athlete who holds a grudge like Aaron Rodgers does. So, you know, I think this, you know, it, it's not necessarily rocket science. It goes back to, you know, draft day 2020 when you know the Packers are coming off you know let's not forget this is their second straight NFC title game this past year so they were coming off going to the NFC title game um in 2020 after after the 2019 season and instead of spending their first round pick to you know try to move up or do everything they can then maybe get Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson uh in that draft which you know thankfully for the Vikings they didn't they draft his successor uh, they draft Jordan Love which is rational uh, if you're thinking big picture, but maybe a little early and, you know, maybe you could have found out how your star quarterback MVP candidate guy who had to go, a guy who would go on to win MVP in 2020 feels about that. What does he think his long-term future is? So there's that piece. I think there's the piece of him being frustrated that they've never quite gone all in with the roster mm-hmm. like a Tampa Bay did last year, like other teams have like, Hey, you know, yeah, we won a Super Bowl a decade ago at the outset when I was still, you know, on a modest contract. But why? What's you know? Why haven't we been able to go further? I've, I'm a you know, he's a great quarterback. They haven't really pushed the chips in to the certain degree that they could have to uh, you know get him more than Devonte Adams, more than you know, more than this, more than that. And my personal favorite theory is that he was so mad at Matt Lafleur for kicking a field goal late in the NFC title mm-hmm. game that he was just like the hell with it. Yeah, hell with you guys. Or maybe he just got like annoyed by the Packers fans, or he's just intimidated to uh annoying. he just is yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. Go pack, go pack, go. And um please go. Oh gosh. It's uh it's 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 brutal. I, I remember going, I was at the pat the Vikings were still playing at TCF Bank Stadium. I think it was the last year, 2015, and I went to the Packer Viking game and oh like Damn, that was so annoying. Just sitting up. I was sitting in a part where there was a lot of Green Bay fans. It was just go pack go, like the whole game. I'm like, guys, like I'm I'm going to like jump off the edge of the stadium right now. Like yeah. I, I, this is so damn annoying. But maybe he got sick of that. Maybe he wants to go to a cover place, and or maybe he's just intimidated by Kirk Cousins. I don't know. I'll get a lot of shit for that. I don't think that's it. I don't think you're no. just being silly now. I don't think that's it. No. But yeah, there's legitimate reasons for him to be upset. But no, for sure. Biggest, yeah, you know. I think a lot of quarterbacks probably would have moved past that, but uh, a guy who holds a serious grudge uh, maybe is not one of them, but apparently they figured it out for at least one year. Got to think this is maybe his last year there, but uh, we'll, we'll see if that's a, you know, kind of a, a championship type year or if, if things kind of fall apart for them this year. Yeah. It's just funny with the Packers in general that they've had two of the NFL's probably greatest quarterbacks, um, generally top five quarterbacks all time. And, only two Super Bowls. I mean, that's more than the Vikings. So I'm just talking from a general. I'll take it. I would take it. I I would take it. But from a general football perspective, when you have those, those two, you know, two Super Bowls, you do feel in the last five years, they could have probably won it again. And they get a guy like Jordan Love. And like, that's just got to be annoying to a guy like Rogers. So 
He's not, yeah. he's not dealing with that or, or the breakups or the breakup with uh, Danica Patrick, maybe he did some stuff too. I, I don't, I don't know, but he's got his new celeb girlfriend now. Fiance. Yeah. yeah fiance. fiance. No, that's right. And we, we were joking too. Like, Oh, he wants to go host Jeopardy. Yeah, he, maybe. Yeah. Huh? I guess he's not going to do that right now. He'll have to wait for the, uh, wait till he's actually on the West coast to do that. Right. Yeah, obviously. So, all right. Well, I think that, uh, wraps the show i think that was a lot of good conversation and nothing broke uh no mic no. stands broke this time everything's good here yeah every, every, we stayed calm we're civil uh, unlike so. unlike uh unlike bubba and yeah he also quit allegedly quit on air last time too so nobody quit no one got pissed <laughs> yeah it was, it was it was kind of a shit show but it was it was fun it was funny it was a good time but this was a lot more civil a lot more uh a lot more calm but i i think i think different change of pace from the last show. So I think people are, are happy to listen to that a little more civility in in sports talk, but, uh, but yeah, uh, Michael Rand again, I want to thank you for, for coming on, for coming on the show. I, I, you know, I really appreciate you coming on, giving your insight. Cause again, I mean, if people don't know, I mean, you have your own column at the Star Tribune at Rand ball talk, everything, you know, everything, Minnesota sports. I know you hit a lot on yep. Viking stuff. So, yep. um, Definitely have the connections. You are a, a journalist pro, I should say. Oh, thanks, and I'm looking forward to this time of year, man. It's it's getting busy. Just I love, and I love all the storylines. I love you know seeing what's going to happen in the trade deadline, seeing what's going to happen with the Vikings this year. Go for football. There's a lot of interesting stuff coming up that uh, that I'm uh, really excited to write and write and talk about. For sure. And if uh, anyone listening it doesn't follow him already, and go to at Ram Paul on on Twitter. Uh, you can give him shit if you uh, hate his takes, whatever. I mean, yeah. I'm sure you, you're sure you enjoy that, whatever. But a little you, back and forth. I'll I'll mix it up. I'll mix it up with you guys. Come on in. Come on into my yeah. mentions. We'll, we'll we'll have a party. Coming in and just write like the craziest take uh, in a day or two, right when you know people are yeah. listening in, just exactly uh, really throw people off. But yeah, guys, uh, again, thanks thanks for listening. We got Michael Rand Randball from the Star Tribune. Uh, and if guys, if you want to follow us, of course, 10 K takes, uh, well, right now we're at 10 K underscore takes one on Twitter. Uh, it's usually 10 K underscore takes, but our original Twitter page is currently suspended right now due to, What'd some, you do? What'd you uh, do? DM DMCA copyright act. Uh, we apparently got like six flags, but the one that did it was a Celine Dion video from April where we just overlaid the Titanic song, you know, when the wild scored in overtime, you know, yep. something, something that dumb. And apparently uh celine dion wanted us to pay for that so she'd get a, like a 15th house 15th house or something like that whatever but right now we're, we do have a backup it's 10k underscore takes one until we get that back we're hoping to get that back by next week we're working out some things we're like uh we have boss man or jack our main guy he's been uh he's not a lawyer but he's been putting on a legal cap of some sort and probably defending himself uh hopefully we don't actually go to court with some big slan dion record company we'll probably be screwed probably, but yeah. probably probably shouldn't do that not a good idea but we think we're gonna get it back but we are still on twitter 10k underscore takes one we're also on instagram at 10k takes tiktok 10k takes facebook we're all over the place go to our website you can read our blogs our crazy crazy blogs 10k takes mn.com and yeah and we also have we're gonna be in vegas this weekend uh with the uh, power trip guys and stuff like that. So that's good. If you're, if people are listening you're there, I don't know if Rand, if you're going to make it down to Vegas, uh, I'm not, but uh, that yeah. sounds like a great time. Yeah. It's going to be, going to be crazy. We'll be there for two days. We're going to feel like death by Sunday. So yes, that's, what you will. Yep. that's a, yep. that's a perfect amount of time to be in Vegas though. 48 hours. Yep. I always say 48 yep. hours is how long you want to be in Vegas. 
that that's all on. We were there for March Madness, and we were there for like three days, and that was a little little too long. One too many. One too many. Like literally death by the end of the day. But we'll be there for forty hours. Gonna be good stuff. We also have our. Uh, other podcasts you want to listen to, it's a bit uh, Wild Takes, 10K MMA, or MMA shows. You can look at those up all over the place. We also have a golf tournament coming up, charity golf tournament coming up at the end of September, uh, 10K Invitational. You can find that on our website at 10KTakesMN.com. We also released a uh, a single just recently. I don't know if you saw that. Um, called Thick <laughs> no, Boy Summer. I did not. What's it called? Uh, it's called Thick Boy Summer. Oh it's a, a parody on Hot Girl Summer. Yeah, I, I, was, I was figuring that one. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty. Uh, maybe it's a little disturbing to watch, but it's just that we it's streaming on all streaming platforms. But if you want to watch the music video, it is on our YouTube. Again. It's just uh, us practically with our shirts off, and we're obviously not the most <laughs> fit people. Yeah, look it up, and anyone listening in, look it up, listen to it. It's it's crazy stuff. It's it's literally just stupid lyrics about being fat and eating good food during the summer. So can't can't complain, but. Again, guys, want to thank you for listening in to another episode of the Minnesota Rundown. We wanted, again, we had Michael Rand from the Star Tribune, or Randball at Randball on Twitter. I'm, of course, JJ. Thanks for listening to another episode, guys, of the Minnesota Rundown, and have a great week. Bye.